maybe seated church. I've worshiped the Lord in a lot of cool places around this big old earth, but there's no place I'd rather worship him on Sunday mornings than right here with you, Holland Chapel. You're a blessing to me. Have you been blessed so far? God is so good. Thank you, worship team. My name is Luke, one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel, and I I want to share with you a a date on your calendar next Sunday, February the 11th. It's going to be an awesome day. You may be asking, why? Is that because it's Pastor Luke's birthday? Yes, but not limited to that. Some of you are going to, well, it's a Super Bowl, right? It's great. Uh, My team's not in there, so I really don't care. Um, but here's, here's the, the real big announcement for the day. Next Sunday, February the 11th, your pastors and your elders are going to be up here on the stage. From this very stage, we're going to share with you some incredibly exciting news. I'm not going to tell you what it is. We're going to build the suspense. We want you here next Sunday. If you're listening to this online tomorrow morning, make sure that you're here Sunday, February the 11th. You do not want to miss What's next for Holland Chapel? Hope you're doing well. I hope this sermon series has been a blessing to you. I, I just have to admit, I've, I've loved this series. It's, it's forced me to get into the Word of God like maybe I don't typically get into the Word of God for a series. Because you're posing questions that's on your mind and your heart, and I want to give you the very best biblical answer that I possibly can. Last week, we looked at the plan for your life. Well, how do you know God's plan, God's will for your life? And in that, man, we, we, we learned that God's sovereign, he, he's good, he's got a, a will, that he's going he's gonna to make it come to pass, and then he shares with us his desire for our life out of the word of God. So if you want to know it, you got to read it, and I hope that was a blessing to you. This week, if you've kind of gleaned from the, the songs that we've been singing, um, maybe a touch on suffering and and pain. So here's the question on the screen. Why is there suffering on earth? Why is there bad? Why is there evil? Why is there pain on earth? It's a a fair question, and I would say that's, that's a good question. To this question, though, I believe that there is a short answer, and there's a long answer. The short answer we get if we have a biblical worldview. What do I mean by that? As children of God, we see, because we've got, we've got faith, we've got the Holy Spirit living within us, we see everything through the lenses of Scripture. And when that happens, when you see the world through the lenses of Scripture, it changes your perspective. We have a Holy Spirit-guided perspective. So the short answer, why is there suffering On earth, I believe the Bible gives us a reason. It's the short answer, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. Why? For everyone sinned. For the believer, for those that that trust in God, we, we see the world through the lenses of scripture. Here is your answer as to why there is suffering, why there is pain 
in the world. It was man's open rebellion against God and which brought God's judgment upon man and earth and everything in it. This is why we have pain. This is why we have suffering. This is why we have evil. Because we messed it up. That's why there is evil on this earth. That's why there is suffering. So that's the short answer. Suffering and pain exist because of one man's sin. And it was passed on to all of us. And here we are dealing with the results of it. But as a child of God, that answer doesn't really give us a lot of hope, does it? That answer shares with us that we are getting what we ultimately deserve. We're we're getting pain, we're getting suffering, we're getting death. Boy, aren't you glad you showed up today? Like, awesome, that's great. I love that answer. Thank you, Pastor, for giving that to me. That's the short answer. We get what we deserve, but where is the hope in that? For a child of God, for the believer, there, there has to be more, right? There has to be a thread of hope. Listen, church, I don't, I don't claim to know why God does everything that God does. But coming off of last week, we know that God is in control. We know that God is sovereign. We know that God has a plan for our lives. And it's our belief in him that helps us in the midst of our suffering. It changes our perspective when pain and suffering enter our life. It changes the way we view it. There's something in scripture that says in in Romans chapter 9, many times when we encounter suffering, we, we ask the question, why? We want to know why. We want to struggle. We want to argue. We want to wrestle with God. In Romans 9, Paul reminds us, who are we as mere humans to question God? It's not up to us to know. We must trust. We talked about the sovereign will of God last week. And I believe in scripture there's a story that paints the picture of God's sovereignty over evil and suffering very well. It's the story of Joseph. In the story of Joseph in the Old Testament in Genesis, the story of Joseph is uh, Jacob's one of his youngest sons, Joseph, from another wife, was his father's favorite. So there you have jealousy. There you have a little bit of evil enter the story. And because his father was maybe picking favorites over Joseph, and like he he was the chosen child, he gets the coat of many colors. Do you remember that in Sunday school? His brothers didn't like it all too much when he said, I've got a dream, and one day you're going to bow down in front of me. The older brother has had a jealousy and spite. We're like, no, we're not, little brother. Anybody got any little brothers? Like, no, 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 we're not. And so we really see the story turn. A lot of evil take place in the story because they didn't really like what little brother told them. They take little brother uh, Joseph out into the countryside and they throw him in a pit. They throw him in a hole. And they're going to leave their little brother Joseph in the hole to die, but their guilty conscience told him otherwise. So instead of killing him, uh, they, they sold him into slavery, which was good as death. 
And, and so Joseph gets sold into slavery, and he, and he winds up in Egypt in, in a house called Potiphar's house where he's a slave. And because he was a gifted young man, I mean, he rose through the ranks of slavery. And before long, he was running Potiphar's house. One thing led to another evil lady. He gets thrown in prison. And uh, would you say Joseph has suffered? The story's not even over. So, man, he, he's, he's, been, he's been sold into slavery, and then he gets thrown into prison and because he can interpret dreams. Pharaoh one day finds out that he can interpret dreams, so he, he brings him up uh, uh, to the courts, and he, he interprets Pharaoh's dream. And because, again, he was gifted, God's hand was on him. He, he rises through the ranks in Pharaoh's kingdom and ends up basically as vice president of Egypt. Man, what a crazy story that is. And, man, a famine strikes the earth at the time. And in his dream, he says, man, we need to store up food so, so Egypt could, could prosper. Well, his brothers, long since removed from the story, come back into the story when their father Jacob sent them to him. Uh, the Pharaoh, like, we, we need some food. And there in the story, his brothers, who once long ago said, we'll never bow down to you, are bowing down to Joseph in the story. Are you with me? you remember it? Wow. Incredible story. He was overcome with emotion. He had to excuse himself. He couldn't believe that there his brothers were. Long story, really short. One day, as the story has really unfolded, and Joseph sees his father, Jacob, he quotes one of the most famous passages in Scripture. We're going to read it. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. This is what he's saying about his brothers. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. So in the story, at this particular point, because Joseph is good, he tells his father, bring all the brothers into the land of Egypt so they can survive, so they can make it. So in this particular story, when you look back over Joseph's life, it is full of suffering, it is full of evil, it is full of pain. And it comes down to this point where he understands what, what you meant to harm me, God meant it for good. And because of this story taking place, listen to me, we, we have, because of, because of the pit, we have the 12 tribes of Israel. But because we have the 12 tribes of Israel, we have the tribe of Judah. And because we have the tribe of Judah, we have the Lion of Judah. Who's the Lion of Judah? Jesus Christ. And because we have Jesus Christ, we have redemption and we have salvation. And God's people said, Amen. We wouldn't have Jesus without the pit. That's sovereignty. That's God being over everything. God being over good and God being over bad. That's God being sovereign. That's God taking care of us. That's God working everything out ultimately for his good and his glory. 
but suffering, evil, pain. It's tough, isn't it? Are we willing as children of God to take the good with the bad? You know the story of Job? I'm not going to rehash all that for you. The story of Job, so profound. Job chapter 2, 8 through 10. I want you to envision this if you can. It says, Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among ashes. His wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all of this, Job said nothing wrong. Can we, as children of God who see the world through a biblical perspective, take the good with the bad? No need to rehash all of Job's story either, but he was dealt a really rough hand. And he was sitting there naked in ash as his world literally burned down and his body was ravaged with sores, scraping them with pottery. And he says, if we're going to receive the good from the Lord, surely we can receive the bad. Will we have that perspective in the midst of our suffering? As pain and suffering, listen to me, enter the life of a child of God, and listen, it will. If you haven't suffered, you just haven't lived long enough. You will. We must maintain a proper perspective that God is, in fact, working it all out for our good. But I want to be careful, church. I don't say that to make light of your pain. I say that to shed light on your pain. We must have a proper perspective. So here's the second part of the answer, the long answer. But how I want to do that is I want to rephrase the question. Not that the first one wasn't a good question, but here's how I want to rephrase it. Why do God's children suffer? Why do God's children suffer? If you're in here today and you're suffering, whatever your circumstance, I don't know. It may be emotional, it may be physical, it may be spiritual, I don't know. But if you're suffering today, whatever the cause, I want to say I'm sorry. And I want to repeat the fact that I don't know why God does everything that God does. But if you would allow me, can I pray for you this morning? Let's pray. God, we love you. And we humbly submit to you. And I pray for those in the room today that are truly suffering. I ask you, in this very moment, to be near to them. Your very word says, 
that you are near to the brokenhearted. So God, make yourself known in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the suffering. Wrap your arms around your child this morning. Help us as we, as we look to your word, as we try to gain some insight and some encouragement from your holy scriptures. To help us in our suffering and in our pain. Help us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So why, why do God's children suffer? I want to give us some things this morning from the Word of God to hopefully shed some light on what God might be doing in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your suffering. So the first possible purpose in your suffering, it reads this. To prepare us for the rest that's to come. Rest meaning heaven. To prepare us for the rest that's to come. This world, child of God, is not our home. This world is not our home. Scripture tells us that we are simply passing through. That we are foreigners and aliens. Like we we, this, is not, this is not it for us. Like, this is not our home. This is not all there is for the child of God. And the children of God said, praise the Lord. This place is not our home. So when pain and when suffering enter the life of a child of God, it reminds us of the rest, heaven, that is waiting on us. Am I saying that we shouldn't enjoy life? Not at all. I believe there's tremendous blessings here on this uh, earth. And I believe God has a purpose for the life here on this earth, that he wants the very best for you. But if we are not careful, we, we want such a cush life that we make this place our heaven. And God is saying, no, no. I've got something far greater for you. So maybe, just maybe, the, the reason that we suffer, the reason that there is pain, is to be a reminder of the glory that's waiting on us. That there's going to be a better day. There, there's going to be a better place. If this all there was, that would be really terrible. So maybe God brings suffering, allows suffering in Job's case to remind us Man, there's something far greater waiting on us. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Paul says, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are, are dying, our, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Our present troubles, and listen to me, I'm not making light of them. But our present troubles, whatever they are, in the grand scheme of God's plan, 
are very small. And what the Word of God tells us as children of God is they, they're not going to last very long. <laughs> Some of you are in the middle of it right now, and you think this, this is going to last forever. The Word of God says, no, it won't. No, it won't. So right now, as we are dealing with whatever it is, maybe, just maybe, God is saying, look to the future hope that you have in me. Don't get too comfortable where you're at. C.S. Lewis writes, God whispers in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, and shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. This place is not our home. So maybe suffering is there to keep us from getting too comfortable. The second thing I want you to write down, pain and suffering helps to teach us total reliance on God. Total reliance on God. Suffering has a great way of showing us that we're weak, doesn't it? Suffering is the great equalizer. It puts our pride in check. It reminds us that we are weak and frail humans, doesn't it? So in our suffering, maybe, just maybe, God is saying, stop relying on yourself, Luke. Stop relying on your willpower. Stop relying on your understanding. Stop relying on yourself and start relying on me. This, this is happening, Luke, so that you will look to me. This is happening, Luke, so that you will trust me. Let's see what we have in scripture when suffering happens church and it will happen it can shatter your world whom will you go for help 2nd Corinthians 1 8 and 9 Paul writes we, we think you ought to know dear brothers and sisters about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Have you ever felt like that? And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God, who raises the dead. You see what Paul is sharing? You see what Paul is demonstrating? You, you see what Paul is, is pouring out in this moment? He, he's, he's saying, I, maybe I did have a little self-reliance going on. Maybe I did have a little bit of a pride aspect going on. But in life's weakest, darkest, most painful moment, he said, I didn't know I was going to get out. thought I was going to die. In that moment, it taught me to rely on you. And only you. So maybe in your suffering, maybe in your pain, God is teaching you to rely on him and him alone. Doesn't that give purpose to the tears? Doesn't that give purpose to the pain? Doesn't that change your perspective? 
knowing full well that God is sovereign and over it all. We cannot see the end game, but we trust that he is good, and he's working it all out. Maybe your reliance needs to be shifted to him, to him alone. So within this point, I want to ask a question. Have you learned it? Have you learned it? Paul says, I, I, I learned it. I know it now. I know it now. Have you, have you learned it? This next one, I want to phrase this one up this way. God uses our pain to produce righteousness. God uses our pain, God uses our suffering to produce righteousness. This one, we got to explain a little bit. I want to read from Hebrews chapter 12, 10 through 11. It says, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. How does he phrase it up? It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Discipline produces righteousness. Here's how I want to phrase this up, because I can't... I can't just take this category of sin and pass it by. Maybe the suffering, maybe the pain that you are enduring is because of your own doing. Maybe what you are going through is because you willingly and, and openly obeyed or disobeyed and defied a holy God. So because of his holiness, because of his righteousness, he's bringing upon your life discipline. And in that discipline, as we are suffering and going, wow, this really hurts. Maybe in that moment, he's going, look at me. You messed up. I love you enough to bring about a little discipline, a little pain, a little suffering, so that you'll stop, so that you'll learn, so that you will choose me, that you'll choose righteousness, that you'll choose holiness. We can't skip by this thought that sometimes, not all the time, I need you to hear me, not all the time, but sometimes the pain that we are enduring is because of our own doing. And we need to learn from it. If we don't learn from it, a good father continues to discipline. Turn from it. Learn from it. Grow in righteousness. But what about the suffering that we are enduring that's because of no sin that we committed. What do we make of that? John chapter nine, verse one, they bring a man to Jesus who's blind, and they said, Jesus, why is this guy blind? Is it because of something he did or his father did? And Jesus says, no, neither. He's blind so that I would receive glory. So I'm not saying all the suffering, all the pain that you are enduring is because of something you did. But regardless, listen to me, church, regardless of the cause of the pain, God wants to discipline and instruct you in it. That's because he does not want to waste the tears. He does not want to waste the suffering. He does not want to waste the pain. He wants to mold you and to shape you into the image of his son in everything. And as a child of God, we can praise him for that. We can say, God, thank you. 
That in the middle of life's darkest moment, you've got a purpose, you've got a plan, you're instructing me towards righteousness. Thank you, God, for not wasting this moment. So maybe, just maybe, God wants to discipline, to instruct us towards righteousness. Reminder what Job said, should we accept only good from our God and not the bad? Grow in righteousness in the middle of your suffering. This next one, God uses suffering to remind us of Jesus. God uses suffering to remind us of his son, Jesus Christ. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings. If you were to read all of this in context, Paul is wishing, listen to me, church, Paul is wishing to suffer. Why is Paul wishing to suffer? Because his Lord, our Lord, suffered. And in our suffering, we are in Christ Jesus, because he suffered. So as we endure pain, as we endure loss, as we endure suffering in this life, let it fix your gaze upon Jesus Christ. Let it push you and nudge you into a Savior that knows suffering. Some of the skeptics and critics of God in the middle of this question, if he was a good God, why would he allow suffering? If he's a good God, why does he stand back and let a world suffer? I would argue God is not standing back and letting us suffer alone. God loved us enough. God hates evil enough. God hates suffering enough to send his son into this earth to suffer. That is a holy God that is bringing redemption and help and a savior in Jesus Christ. He knows suffering. So in the middle of your suffering, let it lead you to Jesus Christ, the one who is going to conquer and crush evil and suffering one day, once and for all. Amen, God's people? We serve a God that knows suffering. We serve a God that can relate to his children in suffering. That in and of itself should fill your heart with hope that you're not going to go through it alone. That there is a plan. There is a purpose. There are some things that God in the midst of suffering wants to teach his children. Why? Because he is a good father. And he wants to receive the glory for everything on this earth. Let me pray for you. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the instruction that it brings. God, I want to pray for us this morning. Because if there was ever a good question, this is it. Why is there suffering? Why do we hurt? 
And God, I pray for all of us this morning, especially those that may be in the pit right now. That you would help them to see that you've been long faithful and you will continue to be faithful. Just as in the story of Joseph, you deliver, you're good, you uphold, and you help. That you will help them, that you will uphold them, that you will strengthen them, that you will teach them. You may even rebuke them, but God, you're good. So I pray for your children this morning that we would see your goodness, that we would trust you, even when things don't make sense, even when the pain may be more than we can bear, that you would be near to us and show us that there is a plan in everything that you do. Help us to trust you. Just as we ended, and our sufferings may May we be reminded of the sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross and what he had to endure to bring about healing, restoration, hope, and forgiveness. Help us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand, church? We're going to sing a little bit of a song. I, I felt like on a day like today when maybe we're not jumping for joy, maybe we're reminded of the sorrow and the pain and the suffering that we are enduring, maybe we just needed a moment to reflect, to kind of unwind, to process what we've heard. I never want to steer anyone away from coming forward. If you just need to pray to God that, that he, would, he would use your pain, that he would use your suffering, go for it. Pray right where you're at. Go for it. If you need a pastor's help, come on. We're going to be up front. Find us. But just process what we've heard from the Word of God. And trust that He is good. And that He's going to work it all out for our good. Let's worship a good and holy God.
will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Amen. Anybody grateful for the goodness of God? share this verse with you. John 16 verse 33 says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. That's the God we serve. and He has offered us a way out through his son Jesus and through him alone. Man, if you're going through that sorrow, if, you, if this is foreign to you on Jesus and a relationship and, and he, he, death for us on the cross, rising three days later from the grave, defeating death, defeating sin for us, he wants that relationship with you. He loves you. If you come in here without Jesus, I pray you leave here with him. Again, like Pastor Luke shared, there's, pastors are available. It's never over. Invitation's never over. We don't, it's, it's not on a schedule somewhere. It's all the time. The Bible says today is the day. Come reach out to a pastor. Reach out to a friend. We got folks at the Connect Corner when you exit. Man, don't miss this opportunity to have a relationship with Christ. And, and, and I love, if, if the sin was your fault, turn to God. If the difficult trial was your fault because of something you did, turn to God. If it wasn't, guess what? Turn to God. So good. Thank you, Pastor Luke. Pray that that word doesn't stay here. I pray that it penetrates your heart and and it causes change. It elevates our need for a Savior and a gratefulness for Him. A few announcements before we get out of here this morning. Uh, Membership class is coming up. It will be September, I mean... We got one September 2, right? Am I wrong? Okay. So Sunday, February the 25th. Uh, man, if you're leaning in, if you're like, I'm ready to be a member, or if you just got questions on what does a membership at the Holland Chapel look like, sign up for that. Love to have you. Uh, it's a great time, good time, just with a lot of information, and a great opportunity to connect as well. Our next uh, announcement is Reality Weekend. Deadline for that is February 11th. Man, it's an awesome weekend for the youth of our area. Uh, just, man, get plugged in, get, get signed up if that uh, is you, if you need to sign up to attend. But also, I think Grant still needs help. Uh, if you want to be a, a host home, if you want to provide a meal, there's a lot of areas to be able to serve around Reality Weekend, so jump on that. Next thing we got is exciting, 2024 mission trips. We've got two of them scheduled. Vanuatu is May 31st through June 11th, and Boston is October 11th through the 14th. Uh, it's going to be some amazing trips. Been working on, on them for a while now. Vanuatu, if you don't know where it's at, look it up. Uh, just getting there is a mission trip in itself. So uh, it's going to be pretty amazing. Uh, and, and Wednesday, parents, students, get ready. Because the mission trips for the HSM is, will be revealed this Wednesday. Uh, it's going to be awesome 2024, guys. Thank you so much for, for coming this morning. And uh, hope you have a great week. And uh, you're dismissed. <laughs>